0: Good morning. Happy New Year to everybody. Before we jump into the message, I going to invite Ben up. If Ben, wherever you're seated, if you want to start making your way to the stage, give Ben a Blue Ash welcome. We can do better than that. Ben is a part of uh, my discipleship group. Honored to have him a part of the group. Um, And part of 2024 is just as we think about this year, we want to share more God stories. We want to hear where God's moving in people's lives, where God's challenging people, what people are learning about God. And so last year, or last time we met as a discipleship group, one of the questions I asked was like, hey, where do you feel like God has challenged you the most? Where do you think you've learned the most about God in 2023? And so Ben shared, and I asked him to share a little bit of that this morning. So how about answering that question for everybody? Yeah, I
1: can answer that. Thanks for uh, being part of a lifelong dream to be brought up on stage. I was <laughs> hoping it was going to be The Price is Right. You know, but uh, I was hoping I'd hear Rod Roddy call me down. And that, uh, no, it wasn't. We um, should have had yeah, like a, a song
0: as yeah, your intro.
1: That's right. I know. And I was really doing very well. I told Andy that it had been almost 11,000 days since the last time I was called up on stage. <laughs> and uh, now I'm going to have to hit the reset button on that one. But... Uh, <laughs> I do have some notes here, so I'm gonna try to uh, follow along here. Uh, if I haven't met you before, like Andy said, I'm Ben McVeigh. I usually sit kind of in this center area here with uh, my son Colin. Otherwise, I'm preceded by two blurs that are about this high. Those are my twin daughters. Uh, so they definitely. Have amazing uh,
0: shoes on today.
1: Oh, yes, they do. They do. Um, so, I'm gonna, like I said, I wanna try to uh, read my notes here. So I can kind of keep on point. And actually, I'm not even, even going to lie to you here. I'm just going to read this because I'm not a public speaker. I don't know if you figured that out yet. You're doing I'm great. I'm not a public speaker, so great. I'm just actually going to read this for the most part. That's what I do anyway. So that's, that's why right. I have the iPad. So, <laughs> 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 so not, not my comfort zone, so pray for me. Uh, so now, um, so as Andy, as Andy introduced, uh, he, asked, he asked me to briefly talk about my prayer journey. Uh, This past year, that's what we were talking about um, last year, Um, and Andy has spoken about his sabbatical last spring, right, and uh, how prayer was a big part of those 90 days, and kind of a cool thing was happening with me separately, but at the same time, um, and didn't talk to Andy about it previously, it just kind of was happening that uh, that's kind of the direction that uh, things were going with me. I really was feeling that uh, prayer was a part of uh, my life that I needed to lean into and, and just try to do a, uh, you know, figure it out and do a better job with it. Um, so I tried to put my finger on a specific catalyst and really don't think there was one thing, but um, I, I really wasn't much of a prayer guy. Don't know, but for me, it was a lot of reasons. Uh, maybe you can relate to some of them. Uh, just felt awkward. Didn't know what to say. Am I doing this right? You know, is God going to listen to me? You know, bunch of excuses, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, anyway, um, one of the other things, too, I wanted to point out one of the things I just sometimes I just had some shame to approach mm-hmm. God, right? I don't know if you've ever been there, but by the way, I've totally gotten over that. I mean, Jesus, right? That was kind of the point. <laughs> he, know, he, know, he knows we're sinners, right? Amen. He knows we're sinners. So anyway, uh, so avoidance, excuses, right? Never much of a prayer guide. Uh, read, studied, uh, had some understanding, but somehow was missing that part. Uh, it was just kind of elusive to me. So uh, I didn't really have much of a plan. It wasn't the first time I've you know, had these promptings. I uh, didn't really have a plan, but I said, I'm just going to, and lean into it. I'm going to figure it out along the way. And uh, about that time, somebody mentioned a book to me for the second time, and then a third time. So I was like, okay, I got to do that. And by the way, this is one that you guys will probably be hearing about in an upcoming series, right? Yep. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but anyway, there were a lot of things uh, in that that I decided, hey, these are kind of uh, some cool ideas, Um, I took some of those, made them my own, uh, leaned into that a little bit, uh, and then at the same time, I was also going through a Bible (laughs) study in Acts, and uh, it was kind of trying to figure out this Holy Spirit thing and uh, what that's all about, and that's kind of a challenging topic, and then, what do you know, uh, the Scots from uh, Activation Ministries show up right here. (laughs) So... (laughs) Uh, so that kind of led me into checking out their prayer shed series, which if you haven't uh, looked Great. that out, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I can help you find that if you if you need to know where that is. But uh, you know, it's cool hearing other people just kind of sitting and talking about you know how their prayer life is. And again, I'm trying to figure it out and frustrated a little bit. And so it was cool to kind of see that. Um, so anyway, um, so I'm trying to figure this thing out for my own, right? And all along the way, these things just kind of keep coming at me, right? The things that I'm looking for just kind of keep showing up. So I feel like uh, my journey is guided, but not self-guided, right? So there's lots of fingerprints of God along the way uh, that are kind of... Uh, leading me to that. So it's been really cool to not only see those fingerprints, but the really cool thing is how my relationship has grown, right? I've just gotten to a spot where I'm a lot more comfortable just sitting and resting and talking with the Lord. And it's been really, um, you know, just, just to be present and in relationship, it's been cool stuff. And Uh, vulnerable, sometimes broken, you know, just to be able to uh, sit comfortably. So I know that prayer is going to be a big thing, right? In 2024, I know that's going to be something that we are going to spend some time in as a community. So uh, I do just invite you to lean into it as we go. And uh, with that, I think that's all I got.
0: Thanks. Give Ben a round of applause. (laughs) I feel like I could talk for 25 minutes on just the things he just said because he said so many great things. But one thing I'll just kind of tag along before you watch this video is I love how he just talked about leaning in. You hear me say all the time, it's easier to act your way into feeling than to feel your way into action. And that's kind of how that works. Just lean in and start doing the work. So with that, watch this.
2: growing up in Missouri, they would kind of take us out into the woods, and they would give you a map, and they would give you a compass, and you had to find your way home. And without the compass, you can't even read the map. That's what I'm here to tell you. The compass is the key. A compass is most simply a piece of metal that has been magnetized so that it will turn towards the Earth's magnetic pole. The one that we all think of is the pocket compass. It looks like a watch, right? You can hold it in your hand and you watch the little needle bounce around uh, until you find north. Magnetism is still a pretty mysterious force to physicists, but what we do know for sure is that a compass works because the Earth is this giant magnet. And when you use a compass, you are in touch with the very center of our planet where this kind of roiling ball of molten iron is spinning around and creating a magnetic field. Just like a magnet you can play with on your tabletop. It has a North Pole and a South Pole, and we use compasses to find our way North because of that fact. The earliest known compass comes from about 200 B.C. in China. They figured out that some of the metal coming out of the ground was naturally magnetic, and so they fashioned this magnetized metal into this kind of ladle-looking thing, put it on a brass plate, and then it would point north. It seems to have been primarily used to improve feng shui, so they could figure out what was the best way for energy to flow through their living spaces. Sailors were probably the early adopters of the more portable versions of it because no matter where the sun was, no matter what the condition of the stars were, they would always be able to kind of find north. Now, much later, the Europeans are the ones who innovate and come up with the compass rose. It essentially laid out what north, south, east, and west looked like and it also enabled you to kind of create new directions like northwest, southeast, what have you. For the first time, they knew where they were going That's kind of a big deal. But also, I think it was part of this general reinvigoration of European science, Uh, you might know it as the Renaissance. Lots of new tools were invented from the telescope to the microscope. Maps got better because of compasses, right? Because then you start to understand which direction is which they get a lot more detailed, and that just kind of changes the human relationship to the world. The compass with a map is like a superpower. Everything that we think of as world history would not have taken place without the compass. The age of exploration, Magellan circumnavigating the globe, even the fact that we know it is a globe. The compass ends up getting embedded in all these other tools because it is such a functional object. So you might have it embedded in your multi-tool, you might have it embedded in your phone. The compass is everywhere because it's literally how we find our way across the face of the earth. So you can go off and explore and find out what is over that next hill or that next horizon, but you can also reliably find your
0: way home. can grab a compass on your way in. You can grab one in that orange bucket in the back on your way out. Um, Two lines I want to point out. The first was this. He said, without the compass, you can't even read the map. That was really, really good. The other one was this. You can go off and explore, but with a compass, you can always reliably find your way home. Those are so good. And I got to be honest, I have no idea how to use a compass. Uh, I know there's an actual north and then there's a magnetic north. That's about my expertise when it comes to to a compass that's summed up right there. But the compass for us is really going to be used as a reminder more than it will be a tool. Uh, It's not going to help us from getting lost, but what's important is to know what our true north is. And in this short two-week series, that's what we're going to talk about, how to stay on the right track, heading in the right direction as it relates to God. For us, our true north is Jesus, right? That's what we believe here at Blue Ash Community Church. And our map, you could say, is the Bible. And it, not necessarily, our map's not made of elevation changes and bodies of water. Our map is the Bible. It kind of navigates our life. Our compass, we could say, would be then the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit. And without the Spirit, the Bible, we could say, you can't even read the map. And what's so interesting about our journey in life, if we were to put it on this the screen, it wouldn't be a straight line, it wouldn't start to finish, wouldn't be straight, it'd be all kinds of those curves and different directions, and if we put everybody's journey on the screen, it would seem as though we'd have no idea what we're doing, no idea where we're even trying to go, right? Because, because our faith journey would look so different, every one of our journeys have been different, because of our faith, our pursuit of Jesus isn't so much about where we are in the moment, like right now, but it's always about where we're headed. Because in the real world, Even with the compass and the best laid plans, we come up against obstacles, many of which changes the course, but not the destination. And if you have a compass, you may know the direction you need to head, but then when you come up against a mountain or a canyon or body of water, it causes you to change your course, but not the destination you're headed to. And if we aren't careful, though, when we veer off, off course because of these obstacles in our path we're not careful, we're not purposeful, we can quickly decide we like this new path better. And that's what this, again, this series is all about. But before we jump into what the text the Bible has to say, I thought it'd be good that we'd start with prayer and ask God's Spirit, our compass, to join us this morning. Will you pray with me? God, thanks. Thanks for your Holy Spirit that you are the compass that helps us with the map of, of the Bible. You reveal the truth as it's said in Scripture. And so just come, reveal that truth to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Andy. If this is your first time joining us this morning online or in person, we're glad that you're here. Uh, We are in a series that we're calling Recalibrate. We're going to be looking to the book of of Haggai in the Old Testament. So if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab one in the back. They're absolutely free as our gift to you. And again, Jana uh, mentioned that you have new journals uh, on your seat. These are our 2024 version, our second-generation journals. Uh, The biggest change, you might notice, is the cover, a slightly improved layout, and some more resources for you to really engage with. Uh, As a matter of fact, one of the resources that you'll see in there is a a podcast series called Bema, where I found a lot of inspiration for today's today's message. And if you head to the reading plan, if you've already cheated and looked ahead, what you will notice is it's a little less than last year when our, our aggressive reading plan was to read through the entire Bible. I'd love to know if you did that, right there on your Connect card. Um, this year's a little different. We're going to be teaching out of just a few books of the Bible, so you'll have opportunities to read through those books several times throughout the series. We believe repetition is the king of learning. And our hope is, as you reread these books throughout the weeks that we're in those series, uh, that not only will you continue to gain new insights of, of what the Bible's teaching, but more importantly, that you're going to grow closer to God. You'll also notice that this year we'll again be doing a series on a book that Ben um, alluded to. This year's book is called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. And he also alluded that I read this on my sabbatical. I'd I'd been given it months before, but I waited till my sabbatical. And it's still producing fruit in my life. Uh, I encourage you to go ahead and grab a copy now. Go to Amazon, buy yourself a copy. That'll be part of your reading plan, as you'll notice. And if cost is a prohibiting factor for you to get this book, Write that on your Connect card. Send me an email. We do not want that to be a reason why you don't get this book and, and add it to a part of your, your spiritual formation. Okay, all that, let's get back to the book of Haggai. This, this message in the book of Haggai, which covers roughly about nine months, is a pretty straightforward read as you read through it. People are kind of off track. Uh, people have become self-centered. They're, they're too busy and worried about their own wants, their own desires, where they're headed in life. So God uses Haggai to recalibrate this community, to get them back on the right path. And I think this book is very relatable today. We are also living in a time and in a culture that wants what it wants. We live in a culture that values freedom to do whatever we feel is right. A culture that almost demands respect for whatever we believe and acceptance for whatever it is that we do. So we aren't so much different than the people this book is addressing. So with kind of that as our backdrop, let's jump into the book. Here's a cool thing about this. If you're here this morning, you'll be able to like, I've already read this. It's part of the reading plan. We're going to read through the entire book this morning. So, In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, And to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here's the message. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house, the temple. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, the temple, remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat. But never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Now, many theologians believe that King David has just finished his own house at this time, and now the people are kind of following his lead. They're building their own houses. And the people have drifted from the ways of God, which necessarily didn't happen overnight, which this is how it happens to us, right? We make concessions or excuses for something we're doing. We focus on what we want and desire for a season. We tell ourselves, you know, this kind of thing, like, well, whenever these things happen in my life, then I'll be able to give myself 100% to God. All the while, we're blazing our own path. We don't listen to the compass of the Holy Spirit. We aren't following the map of what the Bible says to guide us. We begin to pick and choose what we like and what we don't like the people were saying now isn't the time to build god's house and then god uses he contrasts that with the nice houses they find themselves building and it's important to note that this is a culture that wants to rebuild they, they want to follow god they want to have their life centered on jesus or on god and part of that would be to rebuild the temple that's been destroyed and they're starting with instead with their own houses which probably isn't the best place to start. God is saying, it's just time to recalibrate. And as followers of Jesus, when we say yes to Jesus, what we're really saying is, Jesus first, me second. And any time we, we don't put Jesus first, we could say that we're drifting, we're, we're beginning to head off direction. We're not heading to the true north of Jesus. A compass is a tangible thing that we can use to see if we're still heading in the right direction on a map the holy spirit is what helps us as we engage scripture as we engage the bible to make sure that we too are heading in the right direction And i think we all know if we leave the holy spirit out of our faith if we leave the holy spirit out of our life we can do well meaning things for non godly reasons we can take scripture and we can either use it to heap shame on ourselves or other people we can use it to we can misinterpret scripture we can use it for our own personal gain We can even use it to try to control others. So The the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is crucial to understanding. It's crucial to wisdom and discernment, effectiveness, and true power. Here are a few questions we can ask ourselves to see if we're truly following true north, the Spirit, if we're using the compass in our faith. Are we engaged with other people who love Jesus? Are we encouraging people to know and love Jesus? Are we loving others well? I mean, what does our own life look like? Are we personally pursuing Jesus? Are we trusting Jesus uh, with our finances, tithing our first 10%? Or are we using our finances for ourselves and then giving what we have left over? I love what my, my coach has to say about this. He says, there aren't many places when it looks at sinning that we can go, I can check that box to make sure I'm not doing that. He goes, But tithing is one of those. Right? You can just decide to do it. You can trust God. But even in tithing, it's a starting point. And there will be times, and if you've been a tither, you know this is true, where God seems to ask you to trust him more than a tithe, giving above and beyond the tithe. And that box then is harder to check. God points that out in verses 5 and 6. He says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says, Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Give careful thought to your ways. God is saying, all the things, all the thoughts you have are for you. You're doing everything you want for you. And you still aren't satisfied. You're doing everything for you and not considering God in your wants, in your desires, in your actions. Let's read on. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Verse 7. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and in the mountains on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock and on all the labor of your hands. Again, we hear these words, give careful thought your ways. God is saying, your ways aren't working because everything you have comes from me anyway. God is the only one who decides not only what we need, but when he wants to give it to us. Give careful thought to our ways because maybe, just maybe, our desires and our agenda aren't as fulfilling as, the, as we think they're going to be. Give careful thought to our ways because maybe God's ways truly are better ways. Maybe God's ways are more fulfilling than our ways. And this is the mystery of God's ways. This is the mystery of his kingdom, the mystery of his, his, his economy. God promises things, and if we start to act those out, he meets us there. He says that if we give generously, he will bless us generously so that we can give more. If we trust God with our relationships, if we trust God with our, our kids and our marriage, if we trust God with our wants and desires, our dreams, our direction in life, he promises to provide for us. He, provide, he promises to meet us there to give us all the things that we need in those areas. But this isn't. This could be really easy. Well, this is like an if then mathematical equation, it's not that simple. It has everything to do with our heart. It has everything to do with our posture, our trust, and our love of God. It isn't just a matter of tithing. It's a matter of wanting to do that, wanting to honor God with our finances. We have to want to turn our lives over to God and allow him to speak into our relationships. We have to want him to speak into our our marriage, our, our true wants, our desires, our dreams, and everything else. Then, Scripture says, we begin to experience true fulfillment in the form of contentment and joy. Then we can have joy in what they're talking about here, the eating, the drinking, our jobs, our relationships, our marriages, finances, and everything else. Let's see how the people react to this warning, to see if they take this, this warning seriously if they go about their own lives and continue to blaze their own path. Verse 12, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Zeozadak, a high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai. So we see they're obeying, they're listening, because the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the Lord. A lot more on that later uh, in the year. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit in Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jeozadak the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began the work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. So about three and a half weeks have, have passed, and there seems to be a change. There's some movement. There's some repentance. They course correct. They start to head in the right direction. They begin to see God's way is the best way. We see obedience at work, decisions being made, God's spirit is stirred up in the people because of their openness to God's correction from Haggai. The question then is, what needs to get stirred up in you and in me? Where, do, where does God need to stir up his spirit in us so that we too are course-corrected on the path that he has for us? Let's see how God continues to reveal himself through this prophet. It says on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest and the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house, this temple in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak. The high priest. Be be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I coveted with you when I when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. The beginning of this chapter marks about another month later. In verse 3, God is referring to King Solomon's splendorous temple. Now we don't really know the splendor of his temple. Not in the sense that we've seen it with our own eyes. Certainly we read about it. We know that Queen Sheba was very impressed when Solomon gave her a tour. This temple, however, they're rebuilding, pales in comparison to the temple and the splendor of King Solomon's temple. In verse 4, we read echoes of Joshua Be strong, be strong, be strong. In other words, stay the course, keep going. This isn't always going to be easy. It isn't always going to make sense. It isn't always going to look the way we want it to. It isn't always going to turn out the way we want it. But keep going, stay strong, and trust. Then God tells them how He will move. He says, This is what the Lord Almighty says In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house, the one they're rebuilding, with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord. Now when we read, shake the heavens and the earth, in verse 6, it's a metaphor that God is doing something. He's on the move. God promises to fill this new house, this this new rebuilded temple, his glory as well, just like he did in the other temple. God is showing them and us this isn't about the splendor of the building. It isn't about the quality of the material. It isn't about the dollar amount that has been spent. It's all about the sacrifice and the heart behind it. The temple they are building as as it says in the scripture, is just really a shadow of what King Solomon's temple was like. And yet God's Holy Spirit, his glory is going to occupy that temple. Not less of it, actually it said more of it. And God's spirit resides in us. Not because we are glorious, but because he is. Verse 10 is now about three months since that first word was penned. Let's see what it says. It says, On the 24th day of the ninth month, the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat into the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, does it become consecrated? The priests answered no. So if something clean touches something unclean, does that make it clean? No. No. Then Haggai said, if a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priest replied, it becomes defiled. So something unclean comes in contact with something clean, it becomes unclean. Then Haggai said, so it is with the people and the nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer, there is defiled. Here's this phrase again, now give careful thought to, To this, from this day on, consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to heap on of twenty measures, there were only ten. When anyone went out to wine vat to draw fifty measures, there were only twenty. I struck all the work of your hands with blight, mildew, and hail. Yet you did not return to me, declared the Lord. From this day on, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate uh, and the olive tree have born, have not borne fruit. From this day on, God says, I will bless you. Again, we see a shift in language. We moved on from the idea of, of where they were headed in, in the wrong direction. I mean, they've heard the, the warning, they've course corrected, right? They got started doing what was right. We hear about, hey, stay strong because it gets hard, but they kept going. They, they stay the course. Then, just a few months later, it seems as though we're kind of drifting again. And this things that were hard have become easier. And we get this, right? like This is the time you're like, I'm going to go back to working out. And you know, you, as your muscles get stronger, you can move from the 10 weights to the 15 weights. What was once hard is now easy, right? Our sacrifices even become normal. We begin to readjust our lifestyles again, and we start to serve self all over again. And this happens over and over in our journey with Jesus. The the point that God is trying to make here, he's trying to make that point like, give careful thought. He says when something pure comes in contact with something impure, it doesn't make the impure thing clean or pure. But when something pure comes in contact with something impure, the pure thing becomes impure. The only exception is Jesus. He cleanses everything he touches. Purity, right living, is hard to do and even harder to pass on. To live a life for Jesus, as we're called to live in the Bible, with the direction, the uh, help of the Holy Spirit, is difficult. You want to know what it takes? Careful thought to our ways. Careful thought to our ways. We see that again in verses 15 and 18. It's, it's so much easier to drift off course and to continue on that new path than to go back and check our compass, the Holy Spirit, to go and read our map, which is the Bible, to remain on course. Giving careful thought is the decision we make, regardless of the circumstances we are in. Because the fruit in our lives has less to do with the work we're doing than what the work God does in us. I mean, we still need to put in the work. We still got to do the thing. I mean, we can work the soil, we can plant the seed, we can water the seed, but God's the only one who grows the seed. It's God who decides whether or not to send the rain or if he's going to send the flood or the drought. Certainly do what we can, but our faith, our trust is in God. Our, Our trust is in him to produce the fruit in our lives, in our lives and through our lives. Let's see how Haggai wraps this whole message up. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month tells Zerubbabel, governor of Judea, Judea or Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. There's that phrase again. I will overturn turn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses and their riders will fall, each by sword by the sword of his brother. On that day declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. Again, we see the language that God is going to shake the heavens and the earth. In other words, God is going to move. All the work is not going to return void. All the work of the obedience they have shown, the change in the direction in their lives, the recalibration of their faith will produce fruit. And Haggai really gives us questions and decisions that we need to make as well. Will we choose our priorities, or are we going to choose God's priorities? Will we put ourselves first, or are we going to put God first? Will our lives be about us, or will our lives be about God? Will we trust God uh, in God's ways for our lives, or will we choose to trust our ways for our lives? Are we going to buy into this world or step out in faith and trust God's promises for our lives? Because the world, our culture, offers us everything for our comfort, everything for our pleasure. The world tells us, me first, right? We deserve it. We've worked hard. We earned it. We should have it. This world tells us, anything goes. We get to decide. God says, I'm going to offer you eternal life, starting right now. God promises to love us well. God promises mercy and grace and forgiveness and peace we can't explain and unspeakable joy. God says, my ways lead to a full, abundant life. The world, what the world offers will never be fulfilling. We've read that ourselves this morning in Haggai. God dwells in the humble temple, not the temple with the most, most splendor, Our lives are God's temple. No matter the condition of your temple, God wants to reside in it. He wants to dwell in it. The main question to ask ourselves is, where do we need to repent and course correct? Where do we need to repent and course correct? Is it in our daily choice to pursue Jesus? Great. Then join us in the reading plan. Engage in the resources in that journal that's provided. Is it in your relationships in general? sign up for a small group. We're going to offer them in a few weeks. Write small groups on your Connect card, and I'll personally reach out to you and follow up with you about them. Is it in your finances? We offer a tithe challenge. You sign up for a tithe challenge. You tithe the first 10% of your finances for 90 days. At the end of it, you wish you didn't do it. We'll give you every single cent back, no questions asked. We take God as word when he says, test me in this. If you want to sign up for the Tithe Challenge, simply write Tithe Challenge on there. Sign up for Financial Peace University that's going to be offered next month. Maybe part of your course correction is giving back with your time. Test drive a volunteer team. Write volunteer team on your Connect card. Volunteer at Operation Back. Give back some of your time. What steps do you need to make to create a life with God that's your true north? Once you've identified what that is, Take a step. Lean into it, to use Ben's language, towards that direction. And if we can help, let us know. That's why we're here. But spend time this week. Give careful thought to your ways this week. Spend time in solitude and quiet and wait for God to answer that question. God, where do I need to repent? Where do I need to take a step towards you as my true north? And I guarantee you he'll answer it. Grab your Connect cards that Jana mentioned, and I've mentioned several times throughout this message. I'm going to offer you a few next steps right now to take. I encourage you, make this year that every, every Sunday you fill this out, because we believe God has a next step for you. And just by simply writing your name, we believe that's a next step to, to saying, yes, I'm open to whatever you have to say to me this morning, God. And then write down what your next step is. The latest uh, statistic I wrote is like, you're 60% more likely to do something that you write down. Just by simply writing it down, you're more likely to do it. That's the encouragement we have for you to write these downs. Write these down. We're gonna drop this in the offering in just a few minutes uh, when it goes by. Here are the next steps. First one is this accept Jesus for the first time. Maybe today's the day you make Jesus the true north of your life. That He becomes the compass as you go to Scripture and read the Bible. And if you've made that decision, we'll be doing Baptisms this year, of course, but mark that down. I made a decision to follow Christ. Grab resources in the back. You're not meant to do this alone. We want to rally around you. The second is our memory verse. Unlike uh, the last few years where we've had a memory verse for every series, we're doing a memory verse for a quarter. So this is our first quarter memory verse. This should be familiar if you've been around church at all. Uh, It's the Lord's prayer. It says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Actually, is this going to do we have it on the screen at all? Do you guys have the memory verse? Let's read it together. Grab your memory verses. Let's read this together. Many of you guys have this memorized. It's just what translation is it in. Ready? One, two, three. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Amen. That will be what that whole series is about. Next series. Start committing this to to memory if you don't already have it. and Watch how God uses that. Here's the application. Ask God, where do I need to repent and take a step toward God as my true north? What is it? If you don't know, again, spend some time this week wrestling with God. Capture that idea in your journals. Pray about that. And then ask the question, what do I need to do to, to take that step toward that? And then however we can help, please reach out and let us know how we can help in that endeavor. And the last is receive prayer. Ben mentioned prayer is going to be a continued focus uh, for our theme in 2024, silent solitude, prayer lives. You're going to hear just a lot about that. We're going to try to equip you in different ways to do it. But this morning, you can get prayer by writing your prayer requests on your Connect card, emailing us at prayer blueashcc.com or coming up in person receiving prayer, either in the back corner or in the front right. And there's no better way to start the year than receiving prayer. Just step out in faith, take that next step and ask for prayer for whatever's going on in your life. We'd be honored to pray for you. We're gonna go ahead and receive our offering. Thanks for your continued generosity into this place, into the vision. If you don't mind also dropping connect cards in that bucket we would appreciate it and your communion elements i'll quickly talk about those i'm going to grab those but this is just a reminder that jesus body was broken and his blood was shed for us and uh, every time we take communion as a community we're all saying we're in this with you jesus that we want you to be our true north and that jesus resides he lives in each and every one of us let me pray God, thanks thanks for the message of Haggai and the challenging words of, of repentance, which can sometimes seem daunting. And, uh, God, we're going to talk a lot about that in a few weeks. But what that truly means is just saying, God, I was wrong and you were right. And we're turning away. We're, we're deciding that we don't want to do those things anymore. We're asking for your help that through your compass, your Holy Spirit, that you'll continue to equip us. God, thanks for loving us the way you do. Thanks for continuing to pursue us. Thanks for wanting to dwell in every one of our temples, our bodies. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're free to sit or stand and receive prayer.